characterize everything that the Fed has done this past week as essentially flooding the system with money? Yes, exactly. And there's no end to your ability to do that? There is no end to our ability to do that. Are you optimistic or pessimistic? Overall, I'm optimistic. Having been through the, having been at the front line of the 2008 financial crisis, and I saw how devastating that was, we did get through it. It was very painful for millions of Americans. We did get through it. We will get through this crisis. From 60 Minutes last night, after 72 hours of taking in negative news, somewhat realistic, I'm sure, but uh, negative news about the virus and the economy, Neil Kashkari on 60 Minutes last night was pretty optimistic. And I like that first thing he said, and he explains why. We're going to flood the market with money, and can we keep that up? Absolutely we can. We're such a powerful economy, an economic engine, we can just overwhelm the whole thing with money and then catch up once things get back to normal. Well, and our, our debt is so good. That's the key to it. If America ever says, hey, can I borrow 100 bucks?" Every country, every investor, every bank on earth says, yeah, sure. Yeah, there's nobody in the world that's uh, really going to... Until gonna... they say no, but that's, you know... Off in the distance. Yeah, at, for le- now. at least for now, nobody yeah. in the world is going to think oh, America's going to collapse. Don't they're going to default on their debt? No, they'll be back fine. And here's a great opportunity to get in. A, you know, on a on a on a, on a great deal. Mm-hmm. This is a place. It, it, so good and news. That's when we elect Bernie Sanders and squelch <laughs> on it all. <laughs> uh, but that that was the first. I was happy. Sixty minutes did that. You got a guy on talking super positive about the economic situation. Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, and pretty positive in their first story about the um, uh, chasing down a cure and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that on the DVR. I was zooming back and forth to the airport fairly late last night as our college kid Delaney is uh, home from from well the empty campus at this point. Um, and her internship and her job and her friends and the rest of it, which is all just kind of ground to a halt. So finally she said, yeah, I guess I'll come home. And it was funny. She's dislocated. She's unhappy. She's thrown for a loop like the rest of us and said, I, I, I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm happy to see you guys. But I said, trust me, I'm 20 years old. I'm in the middle of my junior year of college. I'm I'm taking classes. I'm playing in my rock and roll band. I'm partying. I got a part time job. I got it going on. Somebody tells me you got to go home now and live with your mom and dad. Yeah, trust me, sweetheart. I know. So anyway, it's affected us all, and these are wacky times. But I will remind you, my friends, this too shall pass. We will soonish look back on this and say, "Wow, that was crazy." Meanwhile, in the Capitol, our brave defenders and government are trying to make sure that it's merely crazy and wild. And could you believe that? And not just financially ruinous for all of us. And whether they do it right or not, we'll have to see. Um, they're wrestling over that right now in the Capitol, trying to figure out what exactly the stimulus plan ought to be that, that, that looks after, you know, hourly people who have no money in the bank, small businesses, which are absolutely the backbone of the economy. And, you know, some of our, our big corporations, too. And as much as lefties demonize corporations, they employ hundreds of thousands of people. Well, there are some serious people talking about 25% unemployment next month. Right. Right. Which is the sort of thing <clears throat> I've read about in history books and thought, oh, my God, that must have been unbelievable. Yeah. It, we would claw our way out of that eventually. But, you know, Jim, who busted his ass his entire life to start a plumbing company and then just runs out of money and then just has to go back to being a one-man shop, 
he's not going to rehire all of his people immediately. Sure. And there's going to be a lot of, you never thought this would occur, but your brother and his wife are living with you now sort of situation. Could be. Could be. We just don't know the timeline. But, hey, I want to throw this out because it's so incredibly important. Um, maybe it's because I think I'm smarter than everybody, even though I don't. I'm regularly humbled doing this job. Uh, I figured that the whole wash your hands for 20 seconds thing was just about being thorough. Take your time. Do it right. Like the toothbrushing thing, right? And and I heard that advice 50 times, maybe 150 times. Do it for 20 seconds. And nobody ever explained why. It's because the protective coating on the coronavirus itself is lipids. It's fats, essentially. That's what keeps it intact. And soap dissolves lipids. And so if you wash your hands for 20 seconds, it dissolves the protective coating on this son of a bitch, and it kills it. But if you don't... It's just still on your hands? Well, no. I mean, you might physically knock it off or damage it or reduce the number on your hands. And apparently the number of uh, these little sons of guns that gets into you matters for how severely you get the uh, the virus, which is interesting. But, um, I mean, washing your hands some is better than not at all. But the 20 seconds is about dissolving the protective coating on the virus. So give the soap time for the chemical reaction. You can count down from 20 like you're at a sports game. But here's a hint. People always get ahead. People always go too fast. Anyway, that's why it's 20 seconds. Coronavirus! 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 That's what we're trying to deal with, Cardi B. Thank you for the uh, the reminder. You know, I'll get to the grim decisions hospitals are going to have to make uh, here coming up because it's going to take a little bit. But there are a number of... I can't believe this conversation is still going on about whether we're going to have the Olympics. <coughs> I keep thinking, no, of course we're not. Of course we're not going to have the Summer Olympics. Why are we still... Dis- why are- I keep hearing news stories about that. Some countries have pulled out, but others claim they're going and it hasn't been... Can- it, it ain't going to happen. Japan's trying not to admit it's not going to happen. It just... It ain't going to happen. Yeah. So, whatevs. Yeah. <sighs> it will be fun. I've become kind of cynical about the Olympics. And, man, I love the Olympics as much as anybody for most of my life. But just when you find out how corrupt the IOC is and you saw the deal in Russia where... It was just a gigantic money laundering scheme for Putin and his cronies. It just, I don't know. How, I, I love the, 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 the plucky athletes competing. How much different is this whole thing than if it had happened even a few years ago? Even pre-smartphone, this would be a lot different. And you go back pre-internet, this sort of having to shut down the society and everything the way we have. Because mm-hmm. my son was FaceTiming with his friends over the weekend. In his bedroom, talking to his friends, you know, face-to-face, just like they're hanging out. Yeah, that's a nice If this lift. had happened when I was his age, with two TV channels, no internet, it would have been really, really dull. <laughs> well, and the it, number of options for entertainment, no Nintendo. One thing I'm worried oh, about... Oh, man. That, that changed a lot. <laughs> you got that Sean's hurt. attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing that really worries me uh, from the department of squeezing too tightly and control slips between your fingers is that now you have, for instance, in L.A., the the moronic uh, mayor and, and his moronic council have, for instance, closed the golf courses. Now, there could be no more physical activity where you're farther away from people and less densely congregated than than uh, uh, golf unless it's hiking the Appalachian Trail in the deepest stretches of winter time so if you deny people i mean like italy's going crazy partly because they have hundreds of thousands of illegal chinese immigrants there nobody wants to talk about that and they are under the thumb of china they've borrowed so much money nobody wants to talk about that but 
if you tell people, no, you can't go for a walk anymore, you can't play Frisbee in the park like some picky old biddy was hitting us up on uh, nextdoor.com about, I saw people playing Frisbee in the park. We're like 75 yards away from each other, and they're just touching the Frisbee. We're going to be fine. If you deny people the chance to exercise, get a little fresh air, uh, you know, blow the steam off, get some stress out, you're going to get less compliance. you you got to let people have a little bit of, of stretch room, in my opinion. So be careful, oh, government fathers. I wonder how long you can keep people... How long people will do this before, little by little, there's more, all right, I'm going out. I wonder if that'll happen. I don't actually know. Yeah, I'm going to have The psychology of it. Nobody knows, by the way, because this has never been done before. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have four or five people over for a barbecue, whatever. I'm already pretty amazed with the compliance, maybe the wrong word, but people just going no, along with word. it already. I it's I thought it was going to be a much more roughy, rough patch, but I suppose yeah. that'll only prove out if, if it goes on for longer and longer time. Yeah, I don't know what the psychology will be. And again, nobody nobody knows because it's never been done before. I mean, I'm, I f- I'm fully on board with understanding. I've seen all the crazy moving graphs that the various news outlets have put together of where it goes if we don't social di- distance, where it does if we do a pretty good job, where it goes if we do a really good job. Mm-hmm. But the where it goes if we don't do it at all is, is, is not a place you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. If the thing is, you know, doubling every, say, two days, two and a half days, or, or no, I guess it's more like two days. But if it's doubling every two days, I mean, uh, there will not be a hospital bed. There will not be a ventilator. There will not, will not be uh, a drug for 50% of the people. So I'm as skeptical and anti-government and anti-going along with the herd as, as anybody around. But those of you who are still, this is a joke. It's not real. I'm telling you, you just, you're not paying attention. With the doctor they had on Fox yesterday, and this was on uh, Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace. I don't know if he was a doctor or what. He was representing the medical look of things, so I don't know what his title was throughout life. But he said, at the peak, we're going to have 4,000 people dying a day in the United States. That's, uh, that'll get people's attention. Yeah. Yeah. If that happens. And that's, you know, as, as so often is true in life, the flu doesn't hand off the baton to the coronavirus and say, all right, you you go, you take it from here. I'll no, go retire. We're going to have the usual stuff, the flu and heart attacks and strokes and car wrecks. Well, not many car wrecks, I guess, because the roads are pretty empty in a lot of places. But um, so, yeah, then we're then we're completely overwhelmed. Good morning. Yeah. But but need to make the point once again, we can't cause a worldwide calamitous depression. To solve, to save, rather, how many lives? What's the lives versus poverty for the billions calculation? Or decades of digging out of a hole. Right. I don't know. That's a tough one. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody knows that that poverty yields worse health outcomes. So if you have 25 years of poverty, but you saved a million lives. How many lives do those 25 years of poverty sacrifice? These are rather difficult calculations. Especially because, you know, the data's crappy. Uh, where this might be going for hospitals, among other things on the way, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The government has declared them essential. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. On a bar stool, she took off her ring. I thought I'd oh, get close. Good tune. Kenny so Rogers died over the weekend. Over. His big hands were calloused. Good tune. My brother and I would always sing 400 children in the crops in the field. It's hungry, you see, but we thought it was 100. 400 children seemed like a lot of children. <laughs> Catholic family. Um, so this next voice you're going to hear is uh, a former head of the CDC when Obama was president. Okay, so he's not some Trump lapdog. Tom Frieden seemed very, very reasonable in the interviews I've seen. Right. Really important to get one key concept. It takes, on average, five or six days from the time someone gets infected to when they get sick, mm-hmm. and about another week before they get very sick. So the severe cases we're seeing today are people who were infected 10 to 14 days ago. That means that for the next 10 to 14 days, we're likely to continue to see a big increase in cases in places like New York City. That's why we're so worried about healthcare becoming overwhelmed and keeping our healthcare workers as safe as possible. Yeah, and we'll know uh, what in about a week now whether or not we all sheltered in time or not in various areas uh, and whether this is going to explode. And if it does, hospitals are going to have to make some tough decisions like they have in Italy. I saw a quote yesterday where it's just a fact now in northern Italy. If you're over 60, we can't help you. Oh. We've just had to make that decision. Oh. Over 60? Yeah. Which is the new 40? If you're 60, you, you don't feel like you're to the, you're at the I should just be discarded point of your life. But uh, on average, I got about 30 years left. You're thinking, yeah. Uh, it's also affecting men, killing men twice as much as women in Italy, and they're not exactly sure why. There's Sexism. Some, but anyway, back to the United States. In the United States, according to the New York Times, some guidelines have already existed for the grim task of deciding who gets care and who doesn't. If we get overwhelmed, and we've got to make those decisions. In an effort little known even among doctors, federal grant programs helped hospital states and the VA develop what are essentially rationing plans for a severe pandemic. Well, this is the sort of thing you'd come up with, but you wouldn't talk to the doctors because you'd think this is never going to happen. Death panels, Jack. Now those plans, some of which may be outdated because they were put together so long ago, are being revisited for the outbreak. Little research has been, d- been done to see whether these strategies would save more lives or years of life compared with a random lottery to assign ventilators or critical care beds, an option some support to avoid <sighs> bias against people with disabilities and other ways to bias against A people. lottery? Come on, number 12. Well, is is that better or worse than saying you're, uh, you're healthy and under 60, so we're going to let you live and we're going to let them die? From a purely utilitarian point of view, you would have, you know... Uh, amount of happiness or usefulness times the number of probable years. So, yeah, you'd opt for the young. Some I'm not, I'm not voting in favor of that. Depends what, who you're calling young. <laughs> some commonly recommended rationing strategies researchers found could paradoxically increase the number of deaths. And protocols involve value judgments as much as medical ones and have to take into account the public's trust. Like, obviously, you have to trust your hospital to be... You know, not discriminating for this or that, or choosing their friends, to, uh, taking right. bribes. Oh, exactly. I'd immediately say, "How much you need? I'll yeah. write you a giant check." It's amazing much, how much many, I can afford. It's amazing how many stars, politicians, and athletes have been uh, tested so far. For instance, exactly, where are they getting their tests? And New York, where most of the rich and powerful people are, they're getting way more testing done there than anywhere else. Of course, they got way more people dying too in New York. If hospitals withhold treatment by age, where do they draw the line? If they give lower priority to those with certain underlying health conditions, they may, in effect, be offering black Americans less treatment than white Americans because of the way 
you know, diabetes and high blood pressure is spread racially. If physicians try to redirect resources, putting a patient on a ventilator for a few days, then giving it to someone else who appears to have better prospects, more people may die because few would get adequate treatment. Instead of just choosing one, saving them, letting that person die, if you give like a little bit to a whole bunch of different people, thinking you're doing the right thing, you could end Mm. up with more dead people. And if many patients have a similar chance of survival, what fair way is there to make a choice? These are these things are actually being discussed at the highest levels uh, in policy and hospitals across the country. Meanwhile, while they're discussing that, and it must be discussed, I hope uh, GM and Elon Musk and, and the rest of them are cranking out as many respirators as we can get going. I mean, because that's just that's terrible. But that's why we're flattening the curve. You got a uh, hundred respirators in a city, and if we don't, there could be two hundred and fifty cases who need them. You know, three weeks from now, a month from now. So that's what's scary about the dang thing spreading like just crazy. Hey, by the way, who told me it was a good idea to watch the movie Contagion? I need to mention that. What? What the hell? What? I mean, I hate Gwyneth Paltrow, but I don't need to see her face peeled off. Oh, no. Stay tuned. More on the way. I read that breweries across the country are turning beer into hand sanitizer. But be careful with Coors Light sanitizer because there's not enough alcohol in it to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, it's led me down uh, many a bad path. So listen, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy had a bad night there, but at least our celebrities are stepping up and leading us when we need them the most. Coronavirus. It's the great equalizer. <laughs> there's Cardi B and Madonna with different approaches to. Handling this difficult situation. Coronavirus! <laughs> but both involve their, 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 their mammaries on display, oddly enough. It's the one wash your hands. Wash your blanking hands. That's uh, Liam Gallagher of Oasis. It's become clear to me from talking to my kids and then hearing a story from an uh, intern that works out on our farm sometime. The, uh, the, the, the older crowd, the parents, the people who have been around a while, are trying to tell their kids... This is historic. You don't realize what a an amazing... This has never happened. This is a once in a cent... Yeah, yeah, you said that yesterday, Dad. Uh, <laughs> or one intern, she's like 20 or something, and she said, yeah, my dad keeps trying to tell me how historic this is. <laughs> I don't know why you're younger, I guess. It's just your life, so you don't... I don't even think of, think of it that way. I don't know. Uh, but it is historic. There's no doubt about it. No kidding? Much of Europe is now on lockdown. But what can authorities actually do to enforce those rules from the, uh, I think this is from the Washington Post. And I wonder if this is where we're headed. Italy had a rough weekend, as they uh, have all along. Uh, does keep climbing. 793 on Friday. Struggling to enforce their lockdown with police checks and has already called in the military in two regions to help uh, enforce it because people aren't doing it on their own. On Friday, Italy's Interior Ministry reported that it will, it still cited a record total of 9,600 people on just Thursday for violating the terms of the lockdown. Mm. Almost 10,000 tickets. Yeah. Spanish police added extra patrols and slapped fines on people ignoring the orders to mostly stay at home. 
Although I tweeted a delightful video of Spanish police also going out into the streets with a guitar and singers and dancers and entertaining the folks who were locked in their homes, hmm. block by block. It was quite cute. The time has come to stay at home, said the, uh, somebody speaking for the Spanish government. Lockdown rules appeared to be less uh, enforced in France or taken less seriously, where the government relies on fines to enforce its terms. But the threat of a $160 fine did not prevent French police from having to stop 70,000 people. They stopped 70,000 people in the first 24 hours of the lockdown in France. That's taking it pretty serious. Wow. The gendarmes. Has anybody in the United States been stopped by a policeman? Law enforcement of any kind? I'm not aware of it. 70,000 uh, in France in the first from parking on San Diego beaches. They closed the parking lots and that sort of thing. And they fined 4,000. Wow. He, uh, uh, France's interior ministry called people who ignore the government's rules imb- imbeciles. I don't know if that's coming to the United States or not. Mm. Jack, you mentioned France, which makes me think of wine, which makes me think of the email we got um, actually pitching a guest who I don't think we'll be uh, talking to, but uh, Vintner Catherine Hall, who's one of the best-known people in the wine industry in California um, and a maker of some just fantastic wines. But uh, along with this pitch is a link to an article from the New York Times that says it's okay and normal to drink wine alone during this crisis. So don't hesitate. Uh, solitary it? day drinking. It's okay, people. <laughs> it's okay. It's better than okay. <laughs> That's awesome. You listen to some music that you chose for yourself because you're by yourself. Some people need to be encouraged to do this. Drinking <laughs> alone in the dark, muttering angrily. The Joe Getty way is perfectly <laughs> fine. Don't worry about it. Hey, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Italy. I know you have lots of stuff you want to get to, Jack. Got all week. Yeah, all right. Got nothing Um, else to do. Can't go anywhere. So Nothing's open. I, Joe Getty. Hi. Good to meet you. I have a special interest in Italy because I was born there. My dad was in the Air Force and I was a service brat and the rest of it. And I've barely been back, but it's, you know, I feel like a salmon swimming upstream. I smell the air and I think, wait a minute, I know this air. So I just, I have a special interest in Italy. And the fact that they were getting absolutely murdered by the coronavirus in the very part of Italy where I lived the first several years of my life was very interesting to me. So I was reading about it, um, you know, for the first couple of weeks of this. And at no point in my inquiries into our lying, just so wrapped up in themselves, mainstream media, did I come across what has emerged as the number one factor and this is such an astonishing it's i almost said oversight it's not an oversight it is a willful editing because they're uncomfortable with the truth and and part of that is the incredible elitism of the journalism crowd they think you i'm looking at you me i'm looking i'm looking at everybody i'm looking at the folks who work on the show are you six feet away from me did you get a a yardstick six feet away from me i think you are i'm a golfer i know what a yard is we need a yardstick we don't need a yardstick i have calibrated eyes we are seven feet when was the last six inches apart (laughs) except you're you got to recalibrate them every quarter to keep your license (laughs) anyway i've got it i've got i'm trying to make a point over here all of us 
The mainstream media elite of Manhattan and the D.C. Beltway think you're all idiots and racists and pigs, okay? And so they didn't dare tell you that there are hundreds of thousands of illegal Chinese immigrants in northern Italy. I had no idea of that. This should be a huge story. I know, and that's my point. I was super interested, and I didn't come across this. Um, and And by the way... In case you're thinking, oh, those little right-wing xenophobe cooking up the... No, the New York Times actually had a story about it in 2010, pre-coronavirus. Long and short of it, the Italian, uh, Italian economy's been moribund. It's been st- stunted and, and weak for a long time, partly because of their socialist impulses. But they realized... That the Italian garment business, which is incredible, and fashions in Italy, super tight pants, speedos, etc. Oh yeah, I, that's how I. That's where I take my cues, fashion wise, really. Um, but they were really struggling to compete uh, globally, and they figured out that they could import hundreds of ch- thousands of Chinese workers to work in the factories. They worked long hours. They adapted quickly. They didn't complain, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's like why so many companies hire illegals from Mexico. Because they work hard. Anyway, so um, so they, they import tons and tons of these laborers uh, beginning in the late 80s. And as the New York Times uh, documented back in 2010, um, it just exploded. Uh, here in the heart of Tuscany, Chinese laborers work around the clock in some 3,200 businesses, making low-end clothes, shoes, and accessories, often with materials important from China uh, f- for sale. The trend continued as whole villages in Italy became Chinese villages, with the Chinese displacing the Italians who lived there, creating their own na- neighborhoods, and pushing out decades of Italian family-owned businesses. They weren't known for following the rules, and it caused much local consternation. The Italians were forced to pay their taxes and follow the employment employment guidelines, and labor laws, while the Chinese seem to have built flourishing enterprises by skirting the rules, treating their people poorly, and engaging in rich human smuggling operations to boot. There was little accountability for the Chinese and much for the native Italians, who, you know, if you're familiar with Northern Europe, it's fallen under the sway of the socialists and the rest of it. Um, and so there are millions of rules and regulations, and, and it makes it really hard to employ anybody. So, you know, there's growing resentment among Chinese small business people that they have to follow the rules and the Chinese immigrants don't. And so the long and short of it is you have enormous movement between China, including the Wuhan province, and um, and northern Italy. That's why they got hammered with the flu so bad. They have a huge population of Chinese expats. How in oh, the oh, world Adam, sorry. is Go that ahead. not a part of the story when you keep hearing Italy now has more deaths than China? Oh, by the way, they have a lot of people from China there. Right. The other part, which is so insidious, is in March of 2019, in spite of us, the U.S., begging them not to, Italy leapt at the lure of Chinese money and their One Belt, One Road initiative and agreed to massive Chinese investments in their ports in particular. So now the Italians are under the thumb of the Chinese and afraid to say anything because their Chinese financial overlords are holding them by the balls, which is the story many third world countries are telling right now as China has bought out their ports or whatever or built them a highway and lent them the money, but now they owe China their souls. 
It's just, it's absolutely insidious. So Italy is saddled with crushing debt, a lagging economy, is desperate to export goods to China and invite even more Chinese investment and labor, and is terrified of telling the rest of the world uh, the truth about its particular struggle with the coronavirus. It's unbelievable. Again, look, there are racists, there are idiots out there, there are xenophobes. But that's not an excuse for you, and I'm looking at you, media elite, covering this stuff up because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Oh, I just hate that yeah, elitism. And here's another good example of that, and it, it involves China also. This is what makes me so freaking mad. Hey, media, how about you get on the side of the United States versus China as opposed to constantly trying to figure out an angle on Trump to be angry about. Right. China has been putting out this story now for several weeks that the flu was abnormally bad in December and January in the United States, and nobody knew why. To try to, uh, bolster, to, try to bolster their claim that it started here in the United States, and we're trying to blame China. Well, the dispatch did a fact check on that. And found that, no, the flu was not abnormally bad. The flu shots did not work less than usual, anything like that. But where are the fact checks on China? Right. Jesus, Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, MSNBC. How about we start fact checking China more than we fact check Trump? You, you, you got to stay on the president. Don't let him lie, all that sort of stuff. But don't be so gleeful about some point of argument with Trump that nobody cares about while letting China, an actual enemy of the United States, try to change the narrative of this whole thing. There was reams of coverage, hours of coverage, of Trump being really optimistic about that malaria drug and Dr. Fauci being cautiously optimistic. A divide emerging between the president and the very man who's, I mean, just for hours going on about that and nothing about the fact that the chinese government is is spreading a lie globally that we cause this now come on china I um, just, oh my god I what are you gonna do do we have the madonna video at our website armstrongandgetty.com if you no, haven't that, seen that, it yet no 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 Take it off our website. It, it's a horror on every level. You know, if you've ever wanted to see that which is seen cannot be unseen. If you've ever wanted to see ET taking a bath, it's a pretty good opportunity. Oh, oh, oh. wow! <laughs> Wherever plastic surgeon is, he, he needs to answer the hard questions. <laughs> We've got more and on Put the on way. some clothes, woman. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Nobody knows how the virus is going to progress, how many Americans are going to get it, how effective is social distancing going to be, how long will it take the healthcare system to catch up. Nationwide last week there were almost 300,000 people filing first claims for unemployment benefits. It could be five times that amount next week, maybe more. Where is the bottom? If this is a three-month shutdown, we'll find the bottom pretty soon. If this is a year-long shutdown, this could be very damaging to the U.S. economy and, most importantly, to the American people. When he said that, I thought, a year? There's nobody's talking about a year. I think he meant till the end of the year. Um, anyway, that's Neil Kashkari. He was on 60 Minutes last night. He was mostly optimistic. It was like the first breath of optimistic wind I'd felt blowing through my lack of hair all weekend long. 
uh, on just how we're such a powerful economy. We can just flood the country with money to keep things going in a float and we'll catch up because things are going to roar. Because there's, there, there was no reason for this crisis. There was no economic reason for this crisis. Right. Like it, there was with, with, with a lot of other downturns. Unlike most things, uh, this actually just happened to us. Now, we could have been better prepared, et cetera. We can have that discussion. But, yeah, it just happened to us, and we ought to be able to bounce back. Although I am really concerned about the working folks and the small businesses who are struggling to get by. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, if, if Joe's plumbing with uh, four plumbers on the payroll shuts down and, and Joe is just broke, it's going to go back to being a one-man shop, and those three other guys are just going to have to try to find work, and some will, some won't. More on that in just a second. Um, I wanted to get this uh, text. If I don't see Kate McKinnon sitting in a bathtub with a bunch of rose petals next Saturday night, I'm never watching Saturday Night Live again. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That has got to be perfect for them. Um, oh, man. we we need. I tell you what, next hour. If you get the award-winning fourth hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show, uh, listen, if not, go to armstrongandgetty.com, grab the podcast, and just call your local station. Just just yell at them for not having our show. But anyway. Also, there has been... Don't do that. There, they get mad at me. There has been some movement in public opinion. The plurality now of people are very concerned about the whole situation and paying a lot of attention to it. The numbers that have held steady, though... You got about 4% of people that have not changed their attitude about the coronavirus. Really? You had the same attitude two months ago as you have now with all the developments that have happened. Winston Churchill, when the facts change, I change my opinion. What do you do? Anyway, okay. And then the magical 3% that don't know what you're talking about. The what now? (laughs) The What is your feeling about the coronavirus? What's that? (laughs) <laughs> the the coronavirus that's in the news? I'm um, sorry, not familiar. <laughs> the disease, China, Italy, the deaths, the pneumonia. Can, can you send me a link or something? 3% are right there. So that person Sean was just portraying is one out of 33 people in America. I'm sorry, portraying? That doesn't seem like it's even possible. Yeah, yeah it's not ringing a bell. <laughs> The uh, the coronavirus does that have to do with a beer? No, <laughs> that is so funny. So I wonder that I don't know. They must not hang out with anybody, and I mean anybody. Yeah, maybe total shut in. I got this one phone for telephone poles, and that's it. We got this text from Kemper. <laughs> that's the only calls I make or take is bolsters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm we, sorry. What now? <laughs> what again? Uh, we got this text from Kemper, who is a longtime listener of the show, one of the smartest people we know. Shout out, Kemp. And he's homeless, and he knows what's going on. But anyway, uh, he was talking is about... Is he unhomed again? Oh, dang it. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it, because he's talking about some things that, that, that society needs to do to make sure the homeless people can still get to their stuff that's being stored in uh, commercial storage places, because it's going to be better for society if people can get to their stuff. They only touch their own stuff, et cetera, et cetera. They need their medications. That, that all makes sense to me. But anyway, um, on the subject of when hospitals get overwhelmed and they have to start prioritizing who they're going to help and who they're going to not, he said, I'd be totally cool if docs gave smokers lower priority if there aren't enough beds or ventilators. How do we feel about that as society? <sighs> You've chosen to smoke? We only got one ventilator. I'm going to go with the 10-year-old kid, and you're going to have to just uh, tough it out somehow. Mm. How do we feel about that as a society? Or do, you, is it, do you, or do you think it's fair to do a lottery? 
and in, in my in my maybe kid's bad idea, they'd probably go with kid. But so you got this thirty five year old uh, mother of two, fairly healthy, doesn't smoke. You, the grizzled smoker at age fifty, we're just going to draw straws to see who gets the ventilator. I don't know if that's fair. Well, it's easy to say sitting in a uh, a radio studio, but certainly, you know, if I'm on the old side and you ask me about the, that mother or two, I'd say give it to her. If I croak it, say nice things about me, all right? I want her and her kids to have a good life. You know, I've had a good run. Goodbye. I think most people would, would be all right with that. You know, that's a good one. Take volunteers to start with. That's what you often do in a crisis, to start with at least. You see if you got enough people who say, you know what? <clears throat> Let the kids, the moms, the whatever, younger people before you get to me. If you got them left over and you get to me. Right. Cool. I'd start brushing up on my ventriloquism. Take me. See that, that, that guy. Take him. I'm not going to lie about my age. I was born in 1983. It's unethical. <laughs> you, you look rough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think you need to read all of John Stuart Mill to understand utilitarianism. We got to, we, the young, the healthy, uh, they get the first shot. I think we all sense that, don't we? 